0: Finance Smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Shauna here, welcome to everyone's Talking Money Podcast. So good to have you. Have you ever wondered, what am I supposed to do and more importantly not supposed to do at work? Like what questions are acceptable to ask? Am I really supposed to negotiate for a raise? And if so, what in the world do I actually say? In this episode, Jenny Foss, CEO of JobJenny.com and author of Do This, Not That Career, has got you covered with all the to dos and not to dos. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Let me take you back a little bit if I can. My one and only corporate job in my 20s was with a real estate mortgage company. And I had the boss. You know, the one who does all of the inappropriate things. Yep. I'm talking about watching porn on his computer while everyone else was subjected to seeing it and hearing it very loudly, I might add. Oh, and get this one. He was also having an affair with someone else at work and wanted me to book all their hotel stays when they had their little rendezvous. It was great because I actually knew about the affair, and so I was in this really tricky spot. But when he would always ask me to book a king bed <laughs> someplace, I would always book like two queens and he would get really mad and I'd be like, oh, that was all they had available. I don't know. It just felt like a little bit of sweet revenge because I just I didn't know what to do. So let's just say I didn't last long there and I would just chalk this one up to what not to do at work. That's extreme example, but Jenny's got more than 75 scenarios in her new book about what to do and not to do at work. I seriously am in love with this book. I wish I would have had it during my very brief corporate stint because it just breaks down everything that you need to know. Scripts, tips, workplace horror stories. We're talking about it all in this episode and everything in between to give you a step-by-step guide to overcome all of these very difficult workplace situations. So let's start talking. So full disclosure here, (laughs) I've mainly been an entrepreneur most of my career, but after reading your book over the weekend, I just, I really wish I had this book years ago when I was holding down a job or really any other part of my career. And I love it because you cover these like 75 plus kind of common workplace issues. We'll talk about a few of my faves in just a minute, but before we do that, you know, why do you think it's so hard for us to navigate the workplace and figure out how to thrive?
1: There are a number of reasons. A big one is that we lack confidence and trust in ourselves, especially when we're facing the need or the desire to to make a change. So if you've been laid off or if you're realizing you're on the wrong trajectory, that's something that needs to be addressed. But I think for a lot of people it's it's hard because we, we doubt our intuition or we have people around us who have different designs around how we should proceed in our careers. So a big, big part of this is, is confidence in yourself and also the knowledge of how to advocate for yourself and for your career.
0: So talk to me a little bit about the... I mean, are there positive workplace changes that have happened since COVID? Are they are they positive? Are they negative? Like, what are we seeing as sort of the lasting remnants of that time?
1: We've seen a lot of change. That's for certain. And, and yes, a- actually, there have been some positives. Certainly, the way in which we work, we have proven out of necessity that a lot of what everyone used to assume had to be done in an office can be done and done well outside of an office. Now, that is not to say that every employer is embracing that on an ongoing basis, but certainly there are plenty of companies that are offering different working arrangements, whether that's a hybrid model or letting people continue working remotely. So that's a a big positive change. And also one of the things that I have seen in my practice that's going on um, both through COVID and beyond, which I don't know that we'll ever officially call ourselves beyond, but (laughs) (laughs) as we've passed the original hump, is that a lot of people are rethinking what it is they want to do professionally because they want something that is more fulfilling they want something that is more meaningful and and that was big scary things tend to bring that out in people and certainly covid has been a big scary thing
0: yeah i totally agree with that sentiment that i don't i don't know if we'll ever officially be done with it i think it was just this you know, really scary slash interesting slash mind bending, you know, time yes. period that we all kind of went through. And sometimes I just walk around and I'm like, wait a minute, we all collectively had this crazy experience. You know, it's just so wild to me that that happened. And it's really interesting to see, you know, in the in the corporate world, how companies are adapting or not adapting and how, you know, a lot of companies now are saying, no, like we absolutely, need you back in the office. Like There's absolutely no choice. And if you don't come back, sorry, you don't have a job. Sure. And then there are other companies that are like, hey, we've been working for home for years, way before COVID. And we actually love it. And our employees love it. So I don't know. I think it's really putting people in a interesting place to deciding what's okay with them and, and what they want for their life going forward. It's
1: a very unusual time for professionals. Absolutely. Just a lot of moving parts right now. <laughs> to put it mildly. To put it mildly. Well, I,
0: I want to dive into some of these like super actionable tips from your book. And I want to start with one of my personal favorites. So uh, this is around negotiating, right? right? So you you want to negotiate an offer that you get. And you say, you know, don't chicken out, which so many of us do. Yes. Um but instead like really prepare yourself and you you say prepare a data-backed proposal outlining, you know, what you want, why you're requesting it and the value that you're going to provide for it. Yes. You, how do we know like how do we know what is the right amount to negotiate for? How do we figure that piece out?
1: certainly there are all kinds of, um, online resources that you can tap into to do salary research, both in your vocation, but also in your geography. So getting a handle on what is the median range for someone in this marketing manager role that I'm going after and, and using that as a basis, um, as you start those conversations and also in addition to understanding the ranges is getting a handle on what what it is that will be expected of you and the, the return on investment or the value that's going to add to the organization can be a big part of what you lead with as you work to negotiate a higher salary,
0: and we all know the word negotiation just usually brings out like sweat. Terrifying. Like we just start sweating. Yes. Yeah. Immediately. Um. You know, like why would I do that? And and even for myself, I'm a big advocate of negotiating all sorts of things, and I still get nervous in in situations. So I know how hard it is if you're if you're standing in front of your boss or you maybe your future employer. And you're, you know, you're trying to negotiate your your salary or raise or whatever it might be, but go back to this this idea of this like data backed proposal. So, how are we supposed to translate our value to our employer or future employer to say this is why I'm worth this amount of money? So
1: let let's do an example. So say you're you're in contention or you're negotiating a salary for a role. Let's go to that marketing manager job again. And you know that the the team or the company is embarking on something, a, a new strategy or a new initiative where where they're trying to do X, Y, and Z. And, and you know how to do that and you you've done it successfully. So that's a way that you could lead where you could say, if I'm understanding correctly, you really need somebody who can come in here and and do these core things in order for this to be successful. So I wanted to remind you that in my last role or whatever, I did something very similar with great success, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm hopeful that Given the fact that there would be virtually no learning curve, or whatever you want to say, you know, you're you're making that that this is something that that you would consider X because th- there will be more than likely a much more rapid um, ramp up or or uh, right. moment of success, if you will. So, data backed means if you can reference something that you've done successfully that is relevant and you know will be beneficial to that team bring that up as you're making these the negotiation this company doesn't care that you want a nicer car or or that you're <laughs> saving for your kids college they not during that negotiation stage they they don't they want to know what are you going to come in here and do for us and what will that be worth us to pay you for?
0: Right. So it's the, it's the always like, what are you going to do for me? <laughs> well,
1: it is when you're at the early stages. Yeah, right. They're not hiring you because they want to be pals with you. They're hiring you because they have a business need, whether that's solve this problem, make more money, save more money, whatever that is. And they're willing to compensate you for your skill in doing that
0: one of the things I love about the book is you provide also these ideas for like sample scripts or like what to right. say, or here's some things. so just just to kind of take this a little bit further, like let's say, um you know, I got offered a job for you know seventy five thousand dollars, just making up a random number. But I really wanted, you know, let's say an eighty five thousand dollars salary was kind of my my target. Can you walk us through like what are some some sample suggestions of, of, of what to say and maybe what not to say in, in a situation like that?
1: So I often uh, use what I call the sandwich technique where you you put the ask in the middle. The, the ask is the meat and the bread on each side is giving your future employer assurance that you're excited about this, that you're... you're Planning to be on board and you're not playing games, you're advocating for yourself. So at the beginning, I would say, I'm really excited about this. Very happy to be joining the team. I think we're really close. Um, if you recall, um, I am considering or I am looking for offer, you know, oppor- my next opportunity to be in this range. And here's why. And I hope you'll consider, um, I hope you'll consider this so then you you lay out what you, what you want and why and then at the end the other piece of bread um making sure they know that you're already envisioning coming on board and and leaving it at that and and so positive on each end you don't want it to look like you're you're playing games with them and also and this is I guess it would be what not to say, is allow for awkward silence in negotiation. And I know for some people that's very painful, but silence can help you get to yes, because the other person will feel your confidence. Confident people allow for those silences, but also they may feel awkward and be like, okay, you know, we'll think
0: about, I got to fill that void of, of, of silence somehow. Um, so yeah, that's, that's actually, um, one of the best, uh, techniques that actually my dad taught me when I was young about, about negotiating. I remember going to buy a car with him and I I was young and We were in the moment where like we picked out the car and he was negotiating and then, you know, he said the price you want to pay for the car. And there was just this long silence. And as a kid, I was like, oh, is someone going to talk like why is there no talking going on, you know? (laughs) My daughter would have been kicking me under the table. (laughs) Yeah. And we ended up, we ended up like starting to walk out the door. You know, I'm like, wait a minute, we have the car we want. We're like, I, I'm not, I don't understand this equation, you know? And then of course the guy called us back in and we ended up making the deal. But, you know, I remember him saying to me like, Shauna, you have to learn how to be uncomfortable in that, in that silent moment. And, and wait for, you know, response once you throw out whatever it is you're negotiating for.
1: Yes. Another technique is asking that individual for their advice or their input. So making it feel like it's partially their decision um, using phrases like, are you authorized to make a decision of X? So you're, 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 Leaning into them and making them feel like they have more of the power. Um, but really, if you boil it all down, it's you need to have some sort of justification when you ask for that extra money. So think through what you want to lead with. Don't just come out with, Oh, but I want more, right? Why? That's just dumb to just oh, I just had it in my head that i was I was gonna you know get eighty five thousand and not eighty, okay. Where do we go with exactly. that Where do we go with that negotiation?
0: I like the the sandwich analogy. I think we can all remember that like. The two pieces of bread hold the whole, the actual meat together. And that's the part we're asking about. Um, a- another one that I think a lot of us can relate to is you know, if you get a bad performance assessment or whatever that looks like at your company and you don't agree with it, maybe you don't think you did a bad job. But, you know, if we're talking about money our job performance, usually has some determination of whether we're going to get a raise right. or whatever it might be. So, you know, we, we really don't want that bad performance review, but let's say, let's say you don't lose your cool, but you know, what do you do if you get a bad performance review and, and your, you know, your raise or whatever might be tied to that?
1: Let yourself feel the emotions first before you act. So that's number one because there i can't think of one person among us that feels good when we're told like you're not you know up to snuff so <laughs> that's a really hard thing is is accepting that criticism so so let it sink in first and then try and spend a little bit of time objectively considering like is there something to this and if you truly think there is not you can go back and say, I really want to understand how you came to this. Can you share with me specifics, like specific examples, or what were the metrics that you were using to make this evaluation? Because sometimes it's very subjective, like when you get a bad review. And sometimes it's for the wrong reasons, like you you cough all day at work and it bothers me, so we're going to give you a (laughs) bad review. I mean... That's an extreme example, but you want to really- I would imagine
0: that it happens. (laughs) You want to
1: understand specifically what the basis of that evaluation was if you don't. If you still don't agree, you can, of course, go meet with your HR team and say, I'm not sure what to do. I've been given this review. I've been asked to sign it. I've, I've got- these emails to show, maybe they say, hey, the customers don't really like you. Well, maybe you have 30 emails in your inbox of customers who have raved about you. So this is where you want to be able to bring forth some of that evidence in a calm way and ask, you can ask, can we revisit this? Can we revisit this now? Can we revisit this in 30 days or whatever? But it's not a You know, it's not the kiss of death if you get one lackluster (laughs) review, but I wouldn't just roll over if you disagree with it.
0: We're going to take a quick break for our episode sponsors. When we come back, Jenny's going to be sharing some of her biggest career lessons that she's learned over the years. Okay, friend, I want to know what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding? I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash ETM and enter code ETM at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash ETM. Go to com slash ETM and use code ETM for 20% off. And what about, let's say maybe you get a, a good performance review and the, the talk about bonus or salary raise comes up. Is there any room in there to negotiate that or is that usually pretty much a set amount from from the company? I think that depends on
1: the company really. Um there are companies that have very narrow bands of of if you do this then you get that but but certainly there are other companies that there is flexibility in that and and certainly when you do earn a rave review or you're up for a bonus or a promotion, that's a wonderful time to, to open conversation about, about the specifics of it or about maybe creating a plan for, for your growth and whether that's your title growth and or your, your compensation growth. So it's, what do they say? Strike while the iron is hot. <laughs> when,
0: <laughs> when you're the golden child at work, that's a good time to have that conversation. And I guess it always is, you know, if if you don't ask the question, you know, you'll 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 get no answer. But if you, if you ask the question, you know, chances are you might get a yes or you might get a yeah, okay. Absolutely. Let's see what we can do. So Absolutely. I like those odds.
1: I'm a big fortune favors the bold gal and it's crazy to me how how terrified people get to Raise their hand and ask those questions. And this is your livelihood. This is your your career trajectory. This is this is your paycheck. And um, advocating for for what you feel like you're worth, I, I can think of few more important things for a professional to focus on.
0: Well, Jenny, you've been a, a longtime recruiter, a job search strategist, the founder and CEO of an internationally recognized career website. I love this, jobjenny.com. jobjenny.com. What an amazing <laughs> name. What are some of the, the biggest money lessons that you've learned uh you know over the years uh working with people in the workplace? Oh boy, that's really interesting. So
1: I've been very lucky. I grew up decidedly middle class in the Midwest and never really felt like we were lacking. But I also never felt that my parents were really savvy about financial planning. I would see credit card bills sitting out on the table that were pretty high and it would scare me, but we never talked about it. Now flash forward to my career I've had and continue to have opportunities to work one on one with just absolutely brilliant senior leaders who are are really intelligent about managing their career trajectories and and certainly amassing their um financial wellness and so uh, I have learned quite a lot along the way about, you know, the, the value of passive revenue, the value of, um, investing in real estate, which beyond my current home, we aren't doing yet, but that's certainly something that I've been, it's a goal, it's a goal for sure. And it's overwhelming in some regards because I didn't grow up with, financial knowledge if you will but it's also really exciting because i think i'm like a lot of people where i'm pretty good at making money but now i'm feeling good because i'm i'm learning how to manage and grow that money and i i'm excited about that and and i do i credit many of the the clients i've worked with over the years were giving me little nuggets along the way which is which have been really useful
0: well i want to ask you if you have any workplace horror stories but before you share yours i actually want to share one of mine okay so uh, one of the the only corporate job i had i it's interesting that you brought up marketing manager earlier but i was a marketing manager in a mortgage company And um, I was on a a small team and my boss had, I don't know what you want to call it, but he loved to watch porn in the afternoon in his computer, on his computer, in a office that was all glass with three female employees that worked for him. And (laughs) talk about- Mine will not top this. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you talk about like awkward conversations, just awkward moments. And I just kept thinking, what in the world is he actually like, how does he think this is actually okay? I, of course, ended up leaving that job. And um, it was just a, it was a very icky experience kind of all around. But, um, you know, yeah. So I'm curious if you have any, any bizarre workplace stories.
1: I do. I also used to work in corporate. I um, was invited to join a, a technology startup that the a former colleague was, had become the president of. And I don't even put this on my LinkedIn profile because it, it was that bad, but <laughs> I was the head of marketing. I was tasked with building buzz about this emerging technology and growing the marketing function, and we were up for a major award, and the president of the company, in in fewer words than more, basically suggested me that I bribe the the judges to make sure that we get that award. Uh And I said unequivocally, no, I'm not willing to put my professional reputation on the line. And if you want to bribe them, you go do it because I am not doing it. And so lo and behold, um, I discovered a few months later, I had asked for something out of my HR file. And I noticed that he had falsified correspondence between the two of us as to set me up to terminate me. And and the Uh, way that he got caught was I had gone through a divorce while I was in that role. And he addressed the letter between the two of us to the wrong person. So it was the wrong name. And there was no way he would have (laughs) known the other name. (laughs) Oh, that's great so yeah, that was a bit disastrous, and then I had him in my office crying, telling me he was dying, and that's the only reason he had done it i mean it was it was nuts, it was absolutely nuts so
0: yeah that's pretty that's a pretty bad one. I will have to say that is a pretty bad one, I think probably almost everyone listening unfortunately we all we all have some sort of <laughs> horror story. check your h r file. <laughs> Exactly. So how did you decide, of all the career experience and advice that you share, like how did you distill that down into what you actually wanted to share in this book?
1: Good question. So the publisher, which is Simon & Schuster, they – had an idea for this book which was great and and when they ran it by me I'm like this thing is going to be a, a good read for people but wanted to segment it into areas of job search if you're looking for a job or how are you going to get along with people in the workplace or what happens if you're looking to grow your career um, or what happens when you're dealing with just uh, out there hard, situations, like you're dealing with harassment or or things like that. So really thought through and investigated in my own archives, what are those questions that people ask over and over again about, about their job searches, about what happens if I want to change careers, or I'm dealing with this in the office? I mean, my boss is a micromanager, is... <laughs> Probably a, a huge one for a lot of people, or I have trouble getting along with my coworkers. So um, we did start with with maybe 20 or 30 more ideas for lessons in this book, and we got it down to 81, and um, each lesson is two pages, so it's a very actionable, quick read, do this, don't do that, think about this. And like you said with the scripts, say this. So um, for anyone who who reads the book, it, it's something that could be read cover to cover, but it's also something that you can pull out situationally. Oh, gosh, it, it, uh, it, my coworker smells bad and I don't know what to say to them. I mean, <laughs> there is a lesson about <laughs> your coworker
0: having gross habits. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I would imagine that probably happens a lot, especially if you're in a a close environment. I had a colleague that cut her toenails in her office right behind
1: mine. Uh, To this day, I can't hear that sound. Like my husband knows to just go away if he's doing that somewhere else.
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh, the torture of that! Yes, I mean I would imagine that's like you know for me it's like someone running their nails you know on a chalkboard. Yeah, um, that's so interesting. I mean, you don't think about these things. You don't think about these things like smells and the environment and you know what your if your co worker is going to cut their nails next to you. But all of these things make for you know the experience the overall experience. Um, yes, they do exactly, exactly. Well, um. You know, I wanted to ask you about this because a lot of my my friends who who work in the corporate environment always say to me, "You know, Shauna, is it is it okay if I share my salary?" Like a lot of people now are are in this place where they're they're sharing what they what they make, and uh, you know, I uh, I kind of come from the place where that makes me a little bit nervous, but I understand the reasoning behind it, right? Trying to get everyone kind of on equal footing. Yes. So I'm curious, like, what do you think? Do we do we share our salary information? Do we not? Like, what is, what is apropos? We're at a very
1: interesting turning point overall right now when it comes to transparency with your salary, because we're seeing a number of states and large cities like New York City, that are putting laws into place that require all job descriptions to post a realistic range, which is an important step toward equity and salary in terms of of people of color, of women, uh, people with disabilities. And so do I think it's a good idea? I think overall, yes, because why on earth should we not be paid equitably with our colleagues who are doing similar or same work? Um, I do also understand that it's going to take us a while to get comfortable with it because historically companies, hiring managers, they really held that information close to the vest Understandably, because it gave them an, an advantage when it came to advantage. salaries and, and compensation. So we are at a spot where I think it's it's very awkward. Um, if you notice some of those salary ranges on job descriptions, that's ridiculous. It's like oh, forty thousand to two hundred and forty thousand is our range. <laughs> so. As we move forward in, in more cities and states, it, when this becomes commonplace, I think it's going to be beneficial for sure. I just think right now we're in that kind of in between where we're we're still hanging on to the old mindset, but moving into this new uh, frontier,
2: if you will. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right, daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, The Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe.
0: Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting, from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines. Host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever
3: you listen to your podcasts. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international best-selling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential, Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds. Experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Because I could imagine that that
0: would lead to some very awkward conversations if you share what you're making, and maybe a coworker who has the exact same role, maybe they're making a lot more than you, right. or a lot less than you, and it's then it becomes this this game of like, wait, well, what's you know what am I doing that they're not doing? What are they doing that I'm not doing? And I, I would imagine that this time right now for. Um, you know, bosses and HR teams. It's a really interesting kind of landscape of what's going on.
1: (laughs) And funny that you mention it. One of the lessons in uh, Do This, Not That career is about what do you do if you discover that your colleague who has the same job makes considerably more than you?
0: So, what do what do we do?
1: Well, you don't beat up on them about it. Um, if you if you have strong concerns about it, it would be a strategic and thoughtful scheduling a meeting with your your manager, your collective manager to understand the differences. Um, but it's also being prepared that the answer might be something that you don't want to hear. It could be right. that we pay this person more because they do these things that you don't do. So are you ready for for whatever that answer mm. may be?
0: Mm, that's the other part of the equation that's uh, that's that's a head scratcher, right? Being being prepared for that. Well and also being well, aware we, I'm sorry.
1: Just wanted to go mention ahead, go.
0: being aware that people come
1: into organizations during different times uh, in the marketplace. So the marketplace can dictate how much we had to pay that person to get them. So if if you took a job, I don't know, a year before COVID and it was hard to land that person, they may be making 20 grand more than the person that took the job during COVID because they're, you know, I'm going to take whatever you offer me because I have no other options. So, understanding that there are geographic and marketplace variations is also something to to consider.
0: Well, we've covered a lot of my favorite tips from the book. I'm wondering if you have, you know, one or two that, uh, you know, you're really super passionate about that we need to know.
1: I actually do really like the one um, related to, to what do you do if and this is such a silly one, but it was a fun one to write. What if you do if someone keeps stealing your your food and your drinks out of the office
0: refrigerator <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, All
0: right. So yeah, what'd you tell us to do? Well,
1: you hear horror stories about this. So, So what not to do, I always like going there first, is you do hear horror stories about people who lace their sandwich with hot sauce or worse, or they set up like a little video camera to catch the person in the act. And those retaliatory options can actually get you in trouble versus the one who's snagging your stuff. So I always say Sharpie the heck out of, out of whatever you put in there and put your name on it, uh, put it in some kind of really unusual or, you know, obnoxious container. So nobody's going to want to be walking through the office with like the bright pink unicorn <laughs> lunch box if it's not theirs. So um, that was a fun one. Um, I also really do the the one about if you're feeling like you're being micromanaged, um, working through that as well, because I I do think that that's a very common issue for people and, and there are some, I'm not saying it's ever going to be an easy thing, but some ways to approach that with empathy, because I think a lot of times people micromanage because they themselves are insecure or feeling, threatened. So, so finding ways to approach with, with kind of empathy and, and where they're coming from in mind. So
0: I don't want to give away too much. I want people to go check out the book. (laughs) There's actually one more tip from Jenny's book that we didn't really talk about in detail, but I want to spend just a minute chatting about because it's about money. And I think it's really important. So you've probably been in this scenario when you're interviewing for a job maybe a couple times, and the interviewer asks you, what's your salary requirements? So many questions come to mind. (laughs) Do I say a number? If so, what number? What if I say too low or too high? It's just like a panic moment. (laughs) And I find that it's really easy to just freeze and not know what to say. And the problem is that there really isn't a right or wrong answer. But Jenny says the worst thing you can actually do is throw out a number that is too low because you're just you're shooting yourself down, right? We want to we want to play up all of our skills. So if anything I would just say always go higher than you think because that number leaves you a lot of room. There's a lot of negotiation room. It just gives you a really healthy place to to talk about salary. But what makes this book so great? is all of these like sample scripts that Jenny has in there. So in this case, she suggests saying one of two things. One, something like this. Based on my market research, experience, and career goals, my range is between X number and X number. Does that align with your budget? Or saying something like this. My primary goal is to find a role that allows me to apply my strengths while positively impacting the environment. Would it be okay if we talked about your needs and my background before we go into discussing numbers? So take these scripts, make them your own words, put them in your own voice. But I think in each scenario, you're actually taking a a power position. So you know your worth. And you're not just letting the interview kind of live or die based on one number that you throw out. And if you throw out too low of a number, ah, you've just like pigeonholed yourself in that place. And, you know, you're putting yourself in an awkward position that if they come back and say, yeah, we want you for this job, like you're locked into this number. And Remember, their job is to try to get you at the lowest number possible, right? This is this is a business, this is a, a money transaction and exchange. And your job is to say, no, I'm amazing, wonderful, look at all my skills, I'm gonna be such a valuable asset. You need to get me for this number. And so it's this it's this chess game that you're playing. And I, I love these sample scripts because I think they really help you. Uh, even memorize something for you to say and to go in and feel like, uh, you know, you don't have to like sweat and panic and freak out. You've got something to say and some words to really help you feel like you can nail this job and also like you can nail the salary piece. So I would definitely say if you work in the corporate world, go out, pick up Jenny's book, Do This, Not That, Career Everywhere Books Are Sold carry it with you. Use this as your go-to guide. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend right now, someone who you know is working in the corporate world and needs to figure out all of these scenarios and needs to know what to say as well. You can have the show notes for all the links to our episode guest, as well as the sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you back here, my friend, in a few days for a brand new episode.